0: Two Wednesdays ago, I was the happiest person on the planet. You ever been happy? Like, just a moment of happiness. But why I was so happy, and last Wednesday I was really happy too, because I was getting ready to teach my Emotional Healthy Relationship course about emotional health, and it's really unique, that class, because it's the most unhealthiest emotional people in that class, including myself. It's crazy. But a lot of stuff comes out of that class, and then what we do is when you take the class, you take Grace Track, and then you take the Emotional Health and Relationship class. And so when I was teaching that class, and I love it to death, if you go down the hallway, Pastor Al Johnson's teaching a Grace Track class that's full of new people that are taking Grace Track. And then if you go down to room one, on the other side of the campus, Janetta is teaching a whole other Grace Track class. And then if you go in Pasadena, we have a Grace Track class in Pasadena for people that don't live around this community, that they don't want the five hour drive from Pasadena here on a weeknight. And so after all the classes were over, we're sitting in the parking lot and I'm going, there's more people in the parking lot, or at least half as much as the people here on Sunday morning, and that just excited me. Because it reminded me how far we've come to the vision I believe the Lord has given me. And so so in 2016, I remember the Lord just was clear. I need you to go in another direction. I need you to go in the direction that I'm called you to be. And in 2016, I needed to be restored. I'm a pastor. I should know everything about God. I should be the spiritual magnet to everybody and say, look, I'm God's example to you. Well, that's not gonna work. It's too much to fake and project this image that I have it all together. And so God really put on my heart, I need to restore you in order for you to restore others. And during Lent, which took a lot of guts, that I believe the Lord said, I want you to go down to one service. We were running a nine o'clock service, a 1045 service, a Saturday at six o'clock service, and uh, we were doing good. But I wasn't fulfilled, and I was lonely, and I was broken, and a lot of people were broken, and we were focusing on the numbers rather than the restoration of people's lives. And so therefore, I would do sermons that would not hurt you or would not offend you, or would not get into the heart of the matter because I needed to keep you because my whole self-esteem was around (laughs) you being here on a Sunday morning. And so I realized what the plan was all along, and i to put it on the screen. God's plan was to shift this church from being just a weekend, butts in the seats, church into being a loving community of restoration. And so what I'm focusing on now is how do we have a restored community within a culture that does not enforce or embrace community. And we're stuck in isolation on our little phones and we're so busy to have any kind of community that the only community that we get is through our phones. How do we do this? How is, why is God calling us to be a community? Now Sunday mornings are important. I'm glad you're here. If there's only two people here, like when we first start, just a little dig on you guys. But, or they call throwing shade. Someone told me I throw shade on Sunday mornings. All right. That was throwing shade, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Right. And so, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. So don't get me wrong, I still want you to come on Sunday mornings and I think that's vitally important. But what God people is doing in people's lives is exciting me to see the brokenness being healed, to see relationships being restored, to see people changing and having the joy in their lives that they never had before. But here's the shift, I think. There first had to be a shift in my heart in order to be a shift within the church. There needs to be a shift in your heart before there's a shift in your family. There needs to be a shift in your heart before there's a shift at your work and then there needs to be a shift in your heart before there's a shift in your perspective on life. Amen. Your perspective changes much more quicker than your circumstances, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right? I can change my perspective with the Holy Spirit to say, what do I need to see in this situation? What I, how do I embrace the joy in this situation? Because the joy of the Lord is not dependent on the circumstances around you, but the inner experiences you have with Christ. Can you imagine your happiness is just dependent on the circumstances? Mm. Your happiness goes like this, doesn't it? Boom, 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 boom. And so I've noticed this, that when the ship came in my own heart, that the real Kevin came out. Now, I hate to use a metaphor, but dude, this guy was in the closet. This guy was asleep. This guy was in his comfort zone. As a pastor, I was in the autopilot. Six o'clock, Sunday night, Saturday night. Boom, boom, ha ha, jump, jump, jump. Holy up, praise the Lord. So, Sunday morning, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, hey, at the door. Okay, I got 15 minutes. Then another clock comes through. And so, therefore, we were in autopilot. The giving was up, the attendance was up, everything was up, except me. Because I knew I was being disobedient. I knew that the lord did not put this on my heart see watch this and this is usually it's interesting faithfulness to our calling of who you are as a person usually takes a back seat to success once you start to experience success you want to maintain it so we begin to operate in fear of losing what we've gained we get tempted to lose the courage it takes to remain faithful to god's calling in our lives you know how many people are stuck in jobs they hate because it pays good? It's not who they are. There's no fulfillment in it. You know, uh, I've been working with you guys know Brooke. He did the announcements. <laughs> I've been working with him for 21 years. He has no filter when it comes to it. He just tells me like it is. And he, Brooke forms it into questions, he doesn't make stains. And he said to me this is what I heard. It wasn't exact. He said, where's your courage? You used to have courage. We were playing it safe. I go, dang. You're fired. Get out of here. You know, when someone tells the truth in your life, you don't wanna hear it? Yeah. And that's hard, because you know that not only that you think you're hiding something, it's obvious to other people. Yeah. And I told him, the reason I'm playing it safe, is because I have more to lose. See, when I first started here, I had nothing to lose. I had no money, the church was in debt, we had seven people in the church. What do you lose, seven people? Okay, I lost seven people. I closed the church, and the conference gets these million dollars' worth of property. But I have more to lose now. So I don't take as many risks. But God doesn't tell us to live in comfort. He calls us to take the risks. And so therefore, when I focus on what God has called me to be as a person, rather than what do I have to lose, therefore, now we're in the center of God's will. Because to do that takes risk. Now, a lot of us do this, I'll take the risk, but God needs to tell me what the 14th step is. And I can calculate and see. When I was told to go down to one servant, I think it was Peter that asked me this question. If I'm wrong, Peter, then I'm wrong. So when I went down to one service, Peter went up to me and says, what's the plan? What's the plan after? And you know what I said? I don't know. All I know is I need to do this step. And so the farther out we're thinking of obedience, the more safe we play. What if? What if? What if? But if God's telling you to do something or be something, then take the step. God, I'll figure it out. God, I'll show it to you. And so I'm thinking, what would happen? How about if it declines? How about if I get fired? How about the board fires me? How about nobody likes me? How about my wife leaves me? Have you ever done that? How about this? How about this? You know, how about a bird hits me and I die? I don't know why a bird would hit me, but... So I'm worst case scenario. So So when I go to worst case what ifs, it freezes us in our life now. Unfortunately, I'm not alone here because we struggle with shame, we struggle with hiding, we struggle with spiritually falling asleep. And so therefore I looked at Jonah, not Joe, but Jonah, and uh, when I looked at Jonah and I go, dude, I am Jonah. Because this dude, what he did, he said, I heard from God, I want something, dude, God made it clear, this is what I want you to do. And he goes, I ain't doing it. You ever had something, you know the right thing to do? And you go, I ain't doing it because it's going to take a a boatload of humility and I have to get rid of my pride now. You ever done that? And you go, no. And you justify not doing it. That's what Jonah did. And then Jonah went in the boat and fell asleep. Spiritually, sometimes we're asleep, even in church. That we are not connecting with God's calling, we're not connecting with Him at all, we're not connecting with who we were meant to be, and we're just going to the motions. If I had a dollar for everyone that said to me, hey, God put this on my heart to do, and they don't do it. They don't do it. If If I were to ask you, and I ask myself, what would I do for God, and God would guarantee success? Oh, man. This, I will be doing this, I will be doing this. Why aren't you doing it? Because I got fear. I got too much to lose. And the thing is, you and I have a trust problem with God. There's where we have the problem. See, we run away out of fear, it's on the screen, when we peel away the layers of fear which keeps us from, from obediently following God's call in our lives. Our most basic fear comes down from a lack of trust in God's absolute love and grace. And so in Genesis chapter one, and it's interesting, because we all know the story of Adam and Eve, and we go, what a bunch of boneheads. But you think about this, we are all Adam and Eve in our hearts. We're all Jonas. In fact, when God created this earth, he said good five times in Genesis, God saw everything that he had made, and it was supremely good. So God says good, 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 supremely good. So he says about five or six times that he did a good job creating this planet, creating you and me. Look on the screen. What was good about creation is that God designed it to be in harmonious interdependent relationship humans were declared supremely good because they were created in the image of God and could see that their purpose was to understand this loving harmony and to protect and it. humans were given the ability to love and what God loves our calling always has to do with loving creation and everything and everyone in it so as God loves But there's something that's deeper here, and Lisa Saren Harper, who is a theologian, said this on the screen. In Genesis 3, you have a breakdown of all the relationships in creation, relationships that God declared. So most of us are familiar with Genesis chapter 3. And with Adam and Eve, they were given everything. They were given everything to live. But they were also given a free choice. The free will. In order to have a free will, I had to choose to be disobedient. So God put the fruit in there, the forbidden fruit, so that they would have a free will, that they have a choice. And so, lo and behold, like any kid, you take them to a, a toy store and say, Look, you can have anything you want except what's in aisle one. I guarantee every kid will go, What's in one? What's in <laughs> one? <laughs> you want to go on aisle one, right? That's who we are. Don't tell me not to do it, because I'm doing it. And then you parents try reverse psychology. Don't be good. (laughs) Don't be quiet, just, you know, I don't want you good. (laughs) I love when parents play the silent game. I don't know who created that. Let's go, go, let's play it silent. Who's silent? That's a funny game to me, let's play silent. And so when we look at this, when they ate the forbidden fruit, It was really interesting because their innocence was lost. That's why they discovered they were naked. And so God found them and said, why are you hiding? Now this is amazing to me because he wasn't ticked off. He just simply asked the question, why are you hiding? But Adam and Eve started playing the blame game. They didn't say I'm hiding because you told us not to do something and we did it." We're sorry. Adam blames everybody on the planet. He said it's that woman you gave me. He didn't take any responsibility of it. He blamed everybody but himself. And so what happens when we play the blame game, shame comes in and they were ashamed because none of them took the responsibility for themselves. You are responsible for where you are now. I am responsible for where I am now. I can blame, and somebody said blame is be lame. I can blame why I'm in this situation. But once I keep blaming, then there's no responsibility to get out of the situation on my part. And when I don't get out of this, this situation, nobody's gonna pull me out until I take responsibility. Watch on the screen. And that's what we do. Shame and fear causes us to hide. We love to hide behind blame, but we hide in other ways too. We hide in our addiction and numbing patterns in our thoughts and behavior, validation, seeking, and selfish pursuits. These hiding behaviors tend to individualistic, isolating by nature. They pull us away from communion with God and community with others. No doubt there's a universal pattern here and it's called sin. All of us are Jonah, all of us are Adam, all of us are Eve, all of us are the prodigal son. All of us struggle in this area. And so follow me back on the screen. We were all created supremely good in the image of God to live in a loving community. We all have a calling to give give our supremely good selves to the betterment of the creation of the human community. But in the lack of trust in God's goodness, we selfishly grab for what's good, what looks good to us. We end up breaking relationships, running away from community, hiding out of shame behind our favorite soothing behavior, and ultimately falling asleep to ourselves Why we are here. The pattern is what we call sin. This, this would get me frustrated. You know that little 16 year old girl that shared, uh, starting these Friday walkouts for our environment? She's 16 years old. And you know what I've heard adults? Adults, that instead of going after her message, whether you believe in climate change or not, they go after her Asperger's. They go after her personally, and they attack her. And I'm going, this girl is 16 years old. And you're an adult. And sometimes we're afraid to do what God's put on our hearts because we don't want to be personally attacked. We want to fit in. The last thing I want people to notice is my tremors. The last people I want to notice is my speech impediment. The last thing I want people to know is my learning disability. Hello, I'm up here. You're going to figure this out real quick. But I have to override that in order to be obedient to what God has put me. Because when I conform into what what, what people think a pastor should be, act like, be educated like, then I, I'm not who I am and then I understand why people just want to get right off this planet because they're not what the God created them to be. They're not who they are. See, this is what it is. Romans chapter three twenty three. all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, we're all messed up, you know that, right? It takes a messed up person to know a messed up person. You're messed up. <laughs> okay? You're welcome. You're messed up, because it takes one to know one. And so, therefore, this is interesting. On the gospel reading today, if you go, you go, what in the world is up with that? Some guy, like, seeming like he's in hell and he's warning somebody, and basically all this. It's called, I call it the story, simply called the reverse fortune. This is a story of a rich man that had a poor man in front of him on his steps of his property. And in order for him to leave, he had to step over this man and just go and do his riches and come back and he never notice the need of this man named Lazarus, this, this broken, poor man that wanted the scraps of the food that this rich man had. And so the rich, man's, rich man was focused so much on his riches that he didn't see the problem. He didn't see it. It was right in front of him. See, on the screen, the rich man seemed to be oblivious to the destitute of Lazarus just outside his gate. How could he miss someone who basically had to stumble over every time he left his house? Perhaps it was because the rich man was hiding behind his well and asleep to his purpose in life. Everything the rich man went out of his gate. God was trying to wake him up up to who he really was and to his calling to use his wealth to care for his neighbor. But he chose to keep running away, choosing to trust his own riches more than the richness of God and the love of God. So the reverse fortune is that the Lazarus, they both died, and the rich man was in torment, and the poor man was in comfort. Back on the screen. God respects our free will so much that we are allowed to continue to run and hide. But when we continue to choose to run and hide from who we are, what we are meant to be, we end up completely isolated beyond any hope of human connection or the reach of love. We get there by our own choosing. Some people refer to this, a state of loveless isolation, as hell. Have you ever described your life as a living hell? that all of a sudden you go, my life is a living hell right now. Everything is going wrong. And I look at this, that God allows things like that for you to move, not to blame. Like the choices I make, let's say this carpet is a living hell. Sometimes it is when you preach and no one gets what you're preaching about. But let's say this carpet, and I say, my life is a living hell here. And God will say, then move. But you know, my dad put me in here. My mom put me in there. So and so put me in there. Then move. Let me walk with you to what I created you to be. Let me restore you. Restoration is amazing because therefore you find out what you were created to be once you restore And what you're passionate about is not what the world tells you you should be passionate about. Your dreams, your purpose start changing because you're going, this is what fulfills me. This is why I'm created. This is who I am. And so therefore, we become disconnected with community when we're in a living hell. We say nobody gets it because we're so isolated in this living hell that all of a sudden nobody understands. And we look on Facebook and everyone's happy, happy, happy and no one understands because I'm so isolated. And you know what, the people on Facebook, they're isolated too. It takes two seconds to go That's it, and they look happy for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? You know, one thing I don't do, I don't do selfies. And the reason, because I'm not really humble, since just I can't do it, because with a tremor, it looks like a big blur. Like he's incognito. No, he just can't take a picture of himself. And so in our fear, in our shame, we disconnect from community and we feel isolated. Follow me on the screen. Wealth, power, achievement and notoriety can look like tasty fruit to grab. We think it really brings us fulfillment, but the only thing that really Satisfies is a loving relationship with God, others in creation. We were created to be in a loving relationship and our deepest calling is always related to some way to the restoration of our loving relationships. All of us want to be loved. Right? Amen. Unless you're just sadomasochist and go, you know, I love being hated. But you know what? The problem is many of you are projecting what you think people would love instead of being who you really are. You ever done that? When somebody said, I love you, Pastor, and I go, you don't even know me. You know what I'm projecting. You love what I'm doing here. But man, when someone knows you out of all your flipping flaws, and they still love you, they still care deeply about you, I learned this from God, but I learned this from my wife. She loves me, for me. First person I ever allowed me to be me was to her. Because that love is so important, and how I did that is understanding the love of God, how he loves me. I am well-pleased. God is well-pleased with me before I did anything. God is well-pleased with you before you do anything. And then we trust in His grace in God. He gives the best of it. Look back on the screen. Adam and Eve give, give us a, a template of grabbing what looks good to us and ending up in shame and fear and isolating and hiding. Jonah, the prodigal sons are stories of runners who end up isolated and off track. And if we were honest, each of us have our own story of running away, shame, fear, isolation. It is a universal human story. And unfortunately, that is not the whole story. We also have a God who is gracious and seeks us when we are lost in our fearful isolation. The grace of God is always trying to find us in order to restore us. So God, just like Adam and Eve, goes, why are you hiding? Don't was saying that you won't love me, God. Do you know what I did? You know what I did. But I don't get why you're hiding. I love you. And he lifts us up. But what we do is we let go say I'm not worthy. Because you're basing it on the conditional love that you grew up with all your life. We love each other conditionally. So if I act a certain way, then you'll love me. If I don't act a certain way, then you don't love me. If I, I look, if I, 10 minutes, if I just went crazy right now, would your grace cover me? Or would you go, dude, I'm out here, this guy's nuts. And so this is where we experience unconditional love. It's from him. He brings us back from the isolation that we're lonely. The isolation that we think nobody gets and understands. And how he brings us back, he brings us a, that, brings us back within the community. And this is where our Grace Track continues. We're on a series as we go through Grace Track and I wanna encourage you. We'll start Grace Track in March. I want, I want that place, ooh, shouldn't be doing that, should sure. Yeah, I'm dead drunk right now, I'm just dead drunk. But I wanna encourage you to be in a community. You face this way, I face this way, an hour and 15 minutes you go home. But it's time to get to know one another. Because when you hear stories, like I heard stories in the emotional healthy, stories I heard Grace track, we're all in the same boat. We're all going through some difficult times. We all can encourage one another. And the thing is, the best thing to do is people that get it, people that understand and give grace to me as I give grace to others. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord bless his word.